Welcome to Jewelry Artists, where we examine the art and business of making jewelry. I'm Katie Hacker, your host. In each episode, I talk with top jewelry experts whose insights will inspire you at the bench and beyond. We talk about everything jewelry related, from how jewelers got started to what they're doing now. Whether you make jewelry or want to learn more about the life of jewelry artists, you'll find intriguing conversations in every episode. I'm here with Becky Nunn, and Becky is the owner of a jewelry supply company. We've known each other for a long time, I think probably almost 20 years, from back from our scrapbooking days, and we both moved into jewelry about the same time. Becky has made a name for herself by um, providing components to the industry for jewelry designers. So I wanted to invite Becky here today to talk a little bit about how this pandemic is affecting her jewelry business. Welcome, Becky. Oh, thanks, Katie. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And you live in Washington, so you're really kind of at the middle of everything that's been happening. I'd say that we were at the ground zero of where things happened, yeah. There you as go. As far as it entering into the United States. So how do you feel like, what are the first things that you feel like affected your business and kind of how did you launch into dealing with this? I think that the first things that started to happen was more internal because we didn't see the decrease in sales happen for uh, a week after we'd already put into motion everything that we knew we were going to need to do. But because um, we were tracking, my husband and I, the pandemic uh, since December and when it hit the United States and it just so happened to hit in our backyard, we acted pretty quickly as far as preparing the company for um, a decrease in sales is what I would was would what I, is what I would say is what we prepared for, mm-hmm. and that looked like just you know researching what it was going to look like if we needed to place our employees on unemployment, just trying to think of anything that we could possibly do that would decrease our expenses as sales potentially could drop, and we just started building out scenario forecast after scenario forecast. Uh, my team did until we um until the rest of it all caught up i mean it was worth case scenario thinking um but in retrospect i'm really glad that we were already uh doing that thinking before we needed to yeah that doesn't seem like home for you to be doing worst case scenario thinking you know it seems like uh something a little outside of normal i would say it is actually one of my strengths um (laughs) <laughs> you know, being strategic, uh, I know this because I just recently did the, uh, I believe the book is called Now, and it's um, Marcus Buckingham's uh, book that goes into Strength Finders. So anyway, I had just recently done um, this Strength Finder where it lists your top strengths, and strategic was number two, um, right behind hey. uh, Learner. So... Uh, yeah, it actually is very much in alignment with uh, how I think. and It seems like both of those things are really important right now. As far as talents go, I don't think that artists always put um, strategy at the forefront. Yeah. You know? So it, you're right, it does dovetail with your business and yeah. kind of bringing your creativity into the business in a different way. I think that um, that is one of the strengths of the company is that we, we are creative and it is a creative, the findings that we create are for jury, it's for designers and a jury artist. But at the same time, uh, yeah, it's the strategic that brings in the real business balance of it all. 
Do you think that um, do you think that other companies that are making jewelry components and supplies? I mean, I'm sure it's impossible to really know, but do you feel like they're kind of looking at we're looking at this in the same way? It seems like you're pretty early to adopt new practices that you're going to have to do to change the business. I'm I'm actually not sure. You know, um, I hope so because you know all of us together is what makes our industry what it is. And I, um, I hope that we're all navigating this and I hope that we're sharing information with each other. I'm, I know that I'm out there sharing it with whoever's going to listen as far as my customer base, but you know, it takes a while for some people to catch up with, you know, the emotions of it all, the emotional aspect of it all. Um, I know that it, it's at first it was easy for me to go into the strategic place and then it took me, uh, after that first 10 days of navigating all of that. It took me another, you know, week just to process the emotional aspect of it. It's like I had to get caught up. Right. Um, so, well, maybe you went to your comfort zone first. I think know? I did. Yeah, I think I did. I did what needed to be done in a, in a crisis situation and then, uh, um, caught up with the emotions later. Yeah. Do you, t- do you have conversations with other people who, um, either on the supply side or in the design side who have had to deal emotionally. I mean, I think we're all dealing emotionally with what's going on, but how they can then get off of, for me, it's getting out of that zone and into, okay, let's, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, it kind of takes me some time to get past the emotional part to be able to work. Yes. But it sounds like you came maybe the other way around. So has it been a comfort to you to talk to other people in the business? It has been a great comfort. I would say that's the number one comfort uh, has been really reaching out to my customers and having what one customer uh, described as real talk. Yeah. There's, uh, there's um, what goes on in Facebook, what goes on in Instagram. Um, we're all looking to make sure that we still look good and our brands are, you know, not looking like we're hurting. But the truth of the matter is, is that I believe we are all hurting on so many levels Um, and it has been super helpful for me to reach out to my community one-on-one and just really talk about that, uh, level of grief that we're all experiencing. And, uh, I have another friend who helped me look at the different stages of grief. And I think collectively we're all just grieving on such a deep level. And as I've come into ownership of that and uh just kind of been riding that wave of moving through the grief and all of the feelings that are associated with it but it's definitely been with other human connection that i've 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 had the biggest movement yeah i definitely feel a sense of relief when i see someone's post that is like you're saying real talk Mm -hmm. you know it feels like how could we ever go back to not real talk Mm -hmm. at this point it feels so important. Well, I know that you do a lot to help designers in the rest of your business life. During this time, are you finding yourself doing more coaching and putting more material out that's helping them know what to do? Uh, I'm just starting to do that. Um, when I first started to uh, journal and document what was going on for me, I think I was ahead of the wave. And I shared it with some people, and I think it was a really scary thing for them to see how drastic I was going. 
um, all the way from, I mean, we were just, we knew that we were going to have to be super conservative and we unplugged the refrigerator in our office, you know, just things like that to, you know, save any any type of energy, you know, um, just, it seems we silly. didn't know. We didn't know what was going <laughs> to happen. I didn't know. I didn't know that if you like closed down your office and you still had the refrigerator plugged in, it's still using energy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, just things like that. But um, well, I, when you were I, overseas, right? When you, when this all started happening, you guys were away from home. So that must've been a little scary. Well, we weren't actually yet. Um, how, what you're referencing is the fact that um, my family went to Vietnam um, over the Christmas holidays and we were there for three weeks. So before we, uh, went on our trip, we were getting all our immunizations and we were going in and, uh, meeting with the public health department and they were going over, um, you know, all of the guidelines and the diseases and such that were in the area that we were going to be traveling. So my husband started tracking, uh, the, the virus, uh, as early as December, and um, while we were in Vietnam, it, it wasn't a concern at all, but we were definitely watching it. You were and aware we, of it. We were More aware of it. I definitely wasn't aware of it at Christmas time, I don't think. Right. So then when we came home in early December, in early January, like the second week of January, um, we were continuing to track it. And so when it actually went into Italy, uh, we were tracking that and we had traveled um, – think you know but I had been an exchange student in Italy um, and so I've spent a lot of time in Italy throughout the last 30 years and um, over the years uh, really just watching how Italy has changed and a lot of manufacturing has uh, um, been purchased by Chinese companies within Italy so when it hit Italy it was kind of like uh-huh okay so we could understand where that leap happened from from China to Italy so quickly. And then as we saw it spread, then it hit the United States. So it was, um, it was something that we just were watching, but you know, it's like, it's, it's like a bad movie, you know, it's like, (laughs) you don't really even know how to put it all together. Um, but then once we started thinking, well, wow, what if, what if, what if, um, and we just started building out the scenarios to see what if, you know, how, how would we respond? was kind of just an exercise at first and then it uh, became more. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's important to be grateful for that time that you had, you know, where you were kind of in an in-between land of is this going to happen at home? Probably probably will. You know, but you didn't know yet because you just can't plan for this. No, I mean, could, all no. all the plans that you have laid didn't prepare you for this even. No. No, I mean, in all, in, in two, it's even in retrospect that I'm even talking about this, you know, it's kind of like, even in the moment, I had no idea. Um, but I do remember the Monday morning that I called up Heather, who is our operations manager and does all of our, um, all the budgeting with me and just said, take us to zero, which was, uh, you know, sales forecasting, like, I was like, what would happen if we did like 70% of our sales? What would happen if we did then I was like, take us to zero. And, uh, so she is brilliant and has these amazing spreadsheets that help us record, uh, daily, um, how we operate. And our company is kind of unique in the sense that, um, all of the information that we have 
is shared amongst all of us. And so it's open books and we build out spreadsheets to help the whole team know like what our sales projections are. They know how much money we have in the bank account. They know how much money is coming in, um, sales, sales forecast, you know, so everything is really transparent. And, um, so when we started to build out those budgets of, you know, what would it look like if we went to zero, it was really obvious, I think for all of us, how, how this could be impacting us. And what needed to happen next? The first thing that we did is that we put everybody on shared work, not, not shared work, excuse me. We put everybody on standby. Um, so, um, that would allow us to freeze just our expenses and, um, would give the team, um, resources to live from, um, it was a perfect storm for us. And I'm sure this, I'm not sure, but I, I hope this didn't happen to other manufacturing, but coming out of 2019, we had a, we had a, we had a really good year and, um, we had, uh, tracked our sales and we were noticing that we were starting to back order more and more, uh, certain items. And so we had upped our inventory levels on, certain items and all of those bills were coming due at the same time that, um, the sales we were predicting would drop. And so we just knew that even if the big cash reserve that we had, um, that we would, uh, we would move through that quickly. And so it was easy to communicate that with the staff, you know, it's like, everybody knows what we were doing. Everybody knows how we were ordering. Everybody was aware of what numbers we had to be doing. So when we put people on standby, it wasn't easy. It was really, it was really, really hard. Um, but, um, I think, you know, logically, I hope people can understand why we were doing what we did. So the first movement was, um, was putting everybody on standby. Um, then as we watched what was going on in California, Um, and thinking that Washington state could take the lead when they started to do the shelter in place. Um, we just started to build out the plan of like what that would look like. How would we all work outside of a shelter in place? Um, uh, you know, and my husband immediately started writing to, uh, all of our congressmen, um, saying, Hey, if, if we're in shelter in place, does that mean that we can still operate or not operate? Will we be you know, and then when we were qualified as, um, or classified as non-essential versus, you know, essential, um, then like, how do you navigate through that? So, um, those were the next steps is like planning, like how, how could we, how could we do what we could do? Um, well, and how can you make sure that when you come back, you know, everything's able to move forward. Right. So, you know, like I'd mentioned, all of this inventory was, um, was hitting our warehouse floor and, um, we, uh, I mean, I just literally loaded up, you know, buckets and buckets and buckets of findings into the back of my car and drove them all home, just load after load after load. And my family and I have been just packaging and packaging. Luckily we'd like already gone through Downton Abbey. Like, so we were (laughs) able to, we were able just to listen to it now the whole, you know, I think we're in season five right now, you know, just re-listening to it. exactly what you mean. Uh, Yeah. As we, (laughs) as we sit there and package. So it's, um, we've made, we've, we've done the best that we've, we've, we we have been able to with the situation that we have. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of tighten everything up. It sounds like 
We did. Um, we I grew up packaging miniatures in front of the TV, so yep. I totally get that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about transparency and why that's so important to you and your business, even when it's not pandemic time. I'm here with Becky Nunn, and we're talking about the art and business of jewelry. And Becky, I have some questions for you. You mentioned in the last segment, transparency. And I bet that's important to you all the time, not just during pandemic time. Is that correct? That's correct. So how do, why is that important? Have you always run your business that way? I think that um, it's important because I don't know how else to be in the world. I'm a very honest person. I'm, I, uh, some people, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is I had one employee say, and say, one employee once said to me, uh, and to the rest of the team, we don't need to have a time clock at none design because Becky just looks into our soul and sees directly <laughs> into us. And I, I think that, I think that, um, yeah, I just don't know how to be any other way. Wow. I think that's really cool. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's really hard sometimes. It is hard. It is I mean, hard. Even if that's your way of being in the world, I would think sometimes there are some things that, you know, it's just difficult to share. Well, I think, uh, I, I, have you heard of the Enneagram or have you done any? Yes, of the I Enneagram? have. <laughs> yeah. So one of the characteristics that is the hardest for me is vulnerability. And uh, it's the thing that I have to do the most. You mean that's the thing that you need to practice the most? It's the thing that I think that the thing you're called to do the most. It's the thing that I'm called to do the most. I think that I am, I'm very good. I'm very much an introvert and I'm very good at one-on-one, but uh, being vulnerable on a bigger scale is, is much more challenging to me. Yeah. I think it's hard for everyone. Yeah. But I could see even trying to have your business that way would be extra difficult for me. I can do some things in my personal life and some things in my business life, but I don't always feel like I can do both in both. And it sounds like you're really trying to making that happen. Yes. I would say that's accurate that it's, it's, it is really my own personal life mission to blend together who I am on the outside and uh, of work and the person I am on the inside of work on bringing those two circles together into one complete whole self. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I love what I do so much, um, because I am an entrepreneur, I am a business owner, and yet I am creative. And bringing those two, two parts of myself together is an incredibly vulnerable process. I think that artists in general tend to... Um, I can't speak for everyone, but most of the people that I, that I encounter and the people that are in my sphere, uh, the artisans that I work with and support and know are all very much uh, committed to a way of life. And that way of life is one that is um, uh, rich in meaning, rich in purpose. Uh, I think that's why we do a lot of what we do is that it, it uh, brings a richness to our lives and to our families. I totally agree. And I think I, I completely get not knowing how to live any other way. Yeah. You know, this is it. A creative life is, I just, it isn't always easy, but it, the other way is so much harder to me to even think about. 
you know, it's, this, really, it's not an option. And I think that right, that's why you have to make this work. Huh? This, this has to work. And, um, you know, even in a global pandemic, you know, I, I think that the first couple of weeks, you know, just allowing myself and everyone else to move through all of the feelings of grief that I mentioned earlier, but then, you know, now I'm, I'm moving into that zone of, uh, it's time to pull up our big girl panties or big boy <laughs> panties and get to work here. And, um, and, you know, really not fight, but, uh, really turn up the volume on what is important to us. And I think that, um, to us as a creative community, because, you know, we're going through a lot and to be classified as non-essential. I mean, what does that do to our psyches? Right. Um, you know, that we're not as important in the world, that what we have to bring to the world is not enough or, you know, I'm just been processing all of those feelings and these are totally, I don't care how emotionally intelligent you are. I mean, these are all new feelings to navigate through and to try to understand. And, um, I, I hope to, uh, be guided, uh, through my journaling, um, to, to be able to communicate, um, the next steps for the community that, that, uh, I'm part of. Yeah. Well, I think there are a lot of people listening, so there's a good opportunity right now to talk about it, you know, to talk about what's next, to talk about how you feel, yeah, the changes you've made. So tell me a little bit about your journaling. It sounds like that's a big, important thing in your life. It is. It is a very core part of my life. Um, you know, it's what I would call my spiritual practice. I started, um, I'd say in my late 20s, so I've been doing it for almost 25 years or more. Um, when I did the Artist Away with Julia Cameron the first time, I got into the practice of morning pages, and it just is one of those things that has really s- stuck for me. And uh, I'll start my morning routine um, and you know stack all the habits of my morning routine around that journaling. So um, it helps me stay grounded. I process my feelings there. I process, you know, if I have a conflict or if I'm going to be filming a podcast and need to talk about how nervous I am about it or, you know, (laughs) um, whatever it is, uh, that's where I really pour myself into. And um, it's also just a constructive place for me to um, keep tally of, you know, my day-to-day life of the things that I want to accomplish in each day. And um, one of my staff members recently said uh, that one of my superpowers is my pen because I tend to record uh, a lot um, and stay, you know, on top of my thoughts and feelings. I think that's a great superpower that a lot of people would like to have. (laughs) If I were going to get started journaling again at this, um, during this time, what would you say? I think I'd normally tell people just get started, just pick up a pen, just write a sentence. You know, but do you have any tips for people who want to use this more as a tool? I think that in the same way as any habit forming exercise, um, there's, there's a couple of really great books on habits and I'm really, really into habits and studying habits and observing habits inside myself, um, uh, constructive ones and not so great ones, but, um, habits are something that you can train yourself to do and you can learn to stack habits. So for example, uh, in atomic, atomic Habits, uh, James Clear wrote 
a lot about stacking habits and looking at your patterns of behaviors. And um, so for myself, um, and if I was going to help somebody become a journaler, uh, for myself, what I do is I, um, I know my routine of what I do every single morning, and it has these certain steps. And uh, like the fifth or sixth step is to sit down in this one particular chair and to start writing. And uh, so the night before, I'll lay the journal on the chair. You know, I just do everything possible to make sure that I have a constructive um, pathway to getting something done. And this applies to journaling, but it applies to everything, right? You know, it's like I talk a lot about within the community of, um, of non-design about, you know, how are we going to not let... Um, ourselves be avoided uh, to avoid being creative. I mean, it's, it's all the same sort of stuff. It's like all the small little things that we do when we are, it's like time to start to sit down to create. We're like, Hmm, I wonder what's going on on Instagram that I should be looking at, or, you know, all of these ways to avoid um, being creative and um, journaling is just another form of of creativity. Right. Definitely. And I think, I appreciate what you're saying about habits, especially right now when a lot of people aren't in their regular routines, they can create habits for themselves. And it really is a discipline. Yes. And I know we've talked before about how you um, kind of developed habits with your family during traveling times that you're able to use now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, we just had one this, this weekend because um, (laughs) this weekend I, I'm getting tired of being the instigator of everybody, you know, being on a, a, a path together. Like, you know, what are we as a family going to do? And so this weekend, um, I was getting a little tired of that role. And just the same as when we're traveling, it's like somebody else needs to take the lead today, you know, because I don't, I don't want to navigate. I don't want to be the one that's tracking like the path, the path that we need to walk on or, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, it was just a matter of communicating. It's like, uh, I'm not going to be the lead today. And so, you know, my family has had a lot of practice with, with, uh, this sort of shelter in place sort of dynamics of, you know, just not a lot of out, outside, um, community and we have to rely on each other because in most of the places we're traveling, we don't speak the language. We can't read the signs. We can't do anything. So, um, we really have to rely on each other. And are your kids and husband comfortable with stepping up when that's required? Yes. I mean, I think that it's a, it's a, it's something that I need to do more and more, not only, uh, in my personal life, but in my business life. And boy, that has actually been uh, a really big challenge as this pandemic has gone on because it just really to be this vulnerable as a business owner, because, uh, over the years, you know, I started out doing everything and over the years I've had to hand off certain jobs to, you know, various staff members and then to not have them and just be like, Oh my gosh, I have to do this by myself. And I'm not very technically inclined, you know? So it's like, um, you know, I don't know how to even, you know, I, I, I joke around with my staff. It's like, can't we just do it the rinky dink us way? Because I'm very familiar with the rinky dink way. Um, so, uh, Yes, my family is is great at stepping up, especially my sixteen year old. She's a she's um, a wonderful leader in her in her own way, and it's a great opportunity for her to take the reins. 
That's really cool. And it's funny what you said about technology, because when you mentioned before that you have lots and lots of spreadsheets, I was just picturing these big books full of ledgers. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was my way, I would be doing it that way. <laughs> Good thing you're not, though. I know it. <laughs> That's fun. Well, um, I ask everyone at the end of our episodes, I'm going to ask, what is your favorite gemstone? And it doesn't have to be a particular stone. It could be a piece of jewelry, but something that is meaningful to you that's around stones. I would have to say it's turquoise. Mm, my and, heart. <laughs> and the reason being isn't, um, is purely because um, my husband, uh, when we took a trip, the two of us, about 20 something years ago, we spent a year traveling in a Westphalia, Westphalia camper van. And we went into Arizona and in a junk shop, I found a ring for him uh, for his birthday. And he nice. wears it every day. Um, and uh, I just love it that he that he wears that. So I would yeah, say it really I, meant something to him that you gave him that. Yeah. That's and so neat. I would say turquoise. Nice. Good choice. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I love turquoise too. Well, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us today, Becky. I really appreciate your time and I wish you well in your family and your business. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To see pictures, please check out our show notes, interweave.com slash jewelry dash artist dash podcast. Jewelry Artist is hosted and produced by me, Katie Hacker. We had help from Tamara Hahnemann and Merle White, with special thanks to the team at Lapidary Journal Jewelry Artist Magazine. Jewelry Artist is an interweave podcast and produced by Golden Peak Media. Our podcast producer is Matthew Talisfor. Tammy Jones is our web editor, and Jesse Rodriguez does our marketing. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.